Beans and Rice is one New York City couple's coronavirus podcast. This is a daily, limited series podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 24th, and day 12 of our self-quarantine. Today, our guest shares their thoughts on political campaigns, managing your newsfeed, and online education in the age of coronavirus. Welcome back to Beans and Rice. You're listening to episode 12. It is March 24th, and you're here with Beans, a.k.a. Aleha. We've got Rice, a.k.a. Janina, and we've got a special guest. Her name is J.N., but J.N., before you introduce yourself, can you please select a staple grain, legume, or item in your pantry that you'd like to identify as? I would like to identify as barley. Ooh, that's good. Is <laughs> Why that... barley? <laughs> I think it's a very versatile um, grain. Well, it's it's both like a grain and it's you can like brew beer out of it and make tea out of it. Um, yeah, just like it's, you know, gotten to um, see a lot of the world. I like that. It's a well-traveled staple. It's a well-traveled legume grain. <laughs> So Jane slash Barley, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you calling from? What are you up to? How are you feeling about everything? Yeah, I am safely sheltered in place in Oakland, California. Um, And I uh, am currently unemployed, um, recently so, and I was previously working in the Bay Area as a software engineer. and then um, spent just coming off of a couple months on a presidential campaign, specifically the Bourne campaign. That's dope. Yeah. So uh, you were working in LA for that, right? Yeah. And then now it's back to Carl Fogg, right, is the name <laughs> in the Bay Area? Yeah, Carl the Fogg, yes. <laughs> Carl the Fogg. That's cool. What was the day-to-day, if you feel comfortable sharing, of your position in Los Angeles? Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, working on the data team for the field, uh, for the California field team. And, um, I was helping our mobilization team, um, figure out how to, uh, target specific segments of voters as well as, uh, specific segments of volunteers so that we can, um, really talk to people and grow kind of, um, the capacity of our California team and also, um, just hope uh, help more and more people understand um, Elizabeth's message and her story. Yeah, I think I um, love the energy of working on a campaign. I think to be surrounded by a ton of um, really young, kind of like strappy um, organizers and people who are excited about just like really big changes in the country um, is incredibly motivating and. Um, I think it makes me want to stay in um, like the public sector or in civic tech. And that's definitely something that, um, yeah, is really exciting. And I'd, I'd love to sort of like hear how it is going from that experience, a, a probably heavily social experience too, to the situation we're in now vis-a-vis, you know, lockdown effectively for the coronavirus. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was a huge transition. I, I think, um, you know, a, a couple of days after Super Tuesday, um, Elizabeth Warren ended her campaign. And I think maybe like three or four days after that, um, the office closed and I moved back um, to the Bay Area thinking that I was going to have uh, a couple of maybe like a week or so to vegetate um, before <laughs> having to figure out um, life, like my next job and so on. But um, yeah, I really did not see this shelter in place situation happening so quickly. Um, I actually have not even made it to San Francisco where all of my stuff is. Um, wow. And so I have been, yeah, just uh, camping out here in, in East Bay. Um, so it's, it's kind of, you know, transplanting from one strange world into another, I guess. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, because like, you know, on a, on a campaign, it's like you're thinking so quickly, like it's so much like, not not mental noise like so many thoughts you are trying to process and like move on whereas here it's almost like it's both the tension between the the silence of things not happening mm. but also like a lot of like news that you are getting so i'm curious how you're striking that balance and how it compares to the life you just had on on the warren campaign mm-hmm. yeah um i think for the first couple of days um after the shelter in place order started uh, a lot of the news headlines and just like how uh, much urgency and alarm that th- they were projecting. I think it actually um, felt a lot like uh, a lot of the headlines that were happening a couple days before Super Tuesday, where they're just like constantly, you know, um, candidates dropping out, um, news coming out about certain campaigns or um, press coming out about our campaign and so on. And just like this constant onslaught of um of like media that you're consuming that's going to change your life. Um, And so uh, it's, yeah, it's an interesting contrast that it's now happening. It was happening, I guess, earlier. Um, But I think you're right in too that like, you know, the way that I'm receiving this, um, this knowledge is no longer with the whole team of everyone um, on the Mm. campaign, but is rather just me and my partner alone in our apartment as this like, continuous onslaught of just article after article about um you know the like health crisis that this is and i think that uh is probably the biggest difference like how 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 i'm able to kind of process this knowledge and honestly how we've kind of had to limit our time um on like the new york times Mm -hmm. and listening to podcasts um just because it you know i think the information is pretty grim and um, and like, there's very, I think there's like a lot of, um, news that is not super actionable. Um, mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah. This past week, the Economist reported that like a billion kids are now learning remotely across the globe. Definitely in the U S we've had a couple of major school district closures. There's LAUSD, there's New York city, um, school districts, um, and plenty more throughout the country. And you said 1 billion, 1 billion kids globally. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. And, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of opinions around if it's, if it's good, if it's bad, obviously it's an opportunity, the challenge and really what is unfair is making a lot of teachers have to revamp their entire curriculum to be remote on the turn of a dime. Um, but, uh, Jan, you used to work in online education. We would just like love just like get your reaction to that. Just the fact that it is now a necessary part of a lot of kids' lives and maybe the challenges that might be creating either technologically or socially. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I yeah used to work at um, a 
tech company that was working mostly on the college level coursework and um, making them online through, uh, I think, the initial like trend of massive online open coursework. Um, and since then, they've actually moved to more online master's degrees. So um, maybe a slightly older population than a right. lot of the people that have recently switched <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to online education. But uh, yeah, definitely, I think, an interesting interesting space to be in. Uh, I don't think anyone in the tech space foresaw this as you know their opportunity to convert a lot of people and introduce a lot of people to online education. So I'm sure there's a lot that they're working through right now. So um, what you're saying, wink, wink, is that the tech industry did not create the coronavirus. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> it seems, or at least the ed tech space, I would say. I don't know about the other people. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> it's solid. I don't know. Groundbreaking investigative journalism brought to you by beans and rice and barley. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so I think, I think the, I think, um, in the ed tech space, it's definitely been an uphill battle to kind of have um, people like not compare uh, online education to in-person education. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very easy to kind of say that how, you know, what are, how can tech and a computer possibly replace all that a teacher um, can do? And mm -hmm. I, you know, the answer to that question is that it really can. I think if, the, if that's the standard with which you're going to compare success, I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, but I also think that that's actually not what a lot of these um, learning platforms are trying to do. They're definitely mm. not trying to replace um, the whole teacher. They're trying to kind of, um, you know, enable the teacher to focus on the things that that teachers are really good at, which is making a human connection to students, inspiring them, mm -hmm. um, mentoring them in the long term. And I think, um, I think for uh, for the platform that I worked on, which um, I the platform is Coursera, and I think for them, the way that they thought about it was really like, okay, the you know this seems like putting content online and like serving content, uh, serving videos, serving reading, serving um, programming projects this is the easy part this is like how do we share one file with a lot of people mm -hmm. at once or like how do yeah. we get people to be able to type and run a problem and like uh and like get graded on it um you know and i think um i think coming in with that mindset i think these uh, a lot of these companies have done a lot of good in um in like helping chip away at different parts of a teacher's or a professor's life that um, traditionally would take a really long time or a lot of a big team to be able to do efficiently. Um, and so I think that's been really interesting to see um, and hear too from, um, from some of my professors as they're going through this movement to um, fully remote that, uh, you know, they're learning about these platforms and um, going through and like realizing that yes, it is a reconfiguration of their curriculum and um, and kind of like how they'll have to teach, but it's also, um, there are definitely pros to how they'll be able to scale to different numbers of students and um, to different types of learners and so on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I do hope that for both schools and companies that this paradigm shift that we were all forced into 
will lead to innovation and in how to use these technologies in a meaningful way yeah. on the day to day. One question I had for you, Jan, because you or Barley, sorry, because you were working <laughs> in sort of the higher education space at your ed tech company is do you think that the fact that instruction is online at this moment is going to affect the value of the education that people are receiving mm. currently? Because I can imagine there will be sort of a widespread movement to question whether the value of a completely remote education is equivalent to the tuition that people pay yeah. to have themselves or their children go to schools where they're thought and their underlying assumption was that the instruction would be in person in the traditional sense. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that I, um, yeah, haven't thought through fully. I think, you know, it's definitely an unpleasant surprise to have your expectations of an experience um, just completely derailed by something like this. Um, and I think especially for uh, programs, graduate programs or undergraduate programs where so much of what you're trying, what you're paying for, what you're getting is the community and the relationships you're building, um, which of course are much more effective when built in person through um, kind of the camaraderie of taking classes on campus. Um, but I do think that, I do think that, you know, whatever kind of work that, uh, whatever kind of policy changes will, um, will take to kind of mitigate people's concerns around the, the their credential and how far it'll carry. I think this is valuable in just introducing people to a different way of learning. Um, I, um, yeah, I would hope that, I would hope that like, uh, you know, a MBA that has one semester of courses um, online and then maybe has like a makeup set of half semester or a quarter or something um, that's in person later doesn't, um, that the students don't think that like the semester that was online was completely useless, you know, that they yeah. like try to capitalize on that as an opportunity to experience um, learning that like a lot of other students um, who maybe like aren't as privileged or couldn't afford to go to these in-campus on-campus programs experience for all of their educational experience. So, um, taking a look at the time we have left, I'd like to transition us to a closing activity um, that I'd like to call Rose Bud and Thorn. I did not make up this activity. <laughs> Actually, I might have learned it from you, Jan. No. I <laughs> Yeah, let's say I learned it from you. Jayanne, could you please intro us to the listener who has no idea what is Rosebud and Thorn? Sure, yeah. So Rosebud Thorn is uh, just a way to frame kind of a quick reflective moment um, for anyone. And um, a rose is something that you are, um, is something positive, something um, that may have been your favorite moment. Um, and a the thorn um, is something that didn't go so well, um, and a bud is something that you are looking forward to. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the past seventy two hours as my <laughs> as my time window. I think my rose was that I finished a very enjoyable season of you, the second season, and 
really, really dug what those writers were doing with the plot. If you're not super into serial killers, I didn't think I was either. <laughs> then I started watching the show. It's very entertaining. Um, my thorn is probably, I'm starting to get into a funk of not being super challenged by my working remotely job and then thus having a lot of time to fill and feeling restless. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do that, um, how to get over that and adjust to that. And then I think my bud is that we're going to take our rabbit to the vet and figure out whether he has a clean bill of health. And I'm really looking forward to not worrying about him and whether it's respiratory infection or just his dumb face. So I'm going to pass it on to Leah. <laughs> With no additional context. With no additional yeah. content. Um, his okay. face is very dumb. His That's... face can be very dumb. <laughs> uh, so for me, okay, I think my rose... I have recently started doing online Spanish talk sessions. Um, there's a Spanish language meetup in New York City that is now doing online sessions. And it's not quite the same as being in person, um, but the facilitator is like really, really great. Um, and it'll be like a conversation about like Frida Kahlo for an hour and a half, for example. Um, and I really enjoy it. It's like a very specific and intentional community I'm trying to join, skill I'm trying to build. Um, that I am evaluating more and more now because it is a bunch of folks I just don't know. Like it's kind of like random strangers. So it's nice to see, to know other folks are out there working to like build the skill, get a bit better at something um, that they can control and try to get better at. So that's nice. Um, I think my thorn work has gotten weird in that whatever quote unquote time we've gotten back because of like our commutes not happening anymore it seems to almost be funneling into more meetings or people like changing how they value their hours. Like I think folks are starting to work earlier and ending later. And I'm concerned about the way that it is valuing or devaluing um, our time, um, both for my company in particular and then around uh, the world and country in general. So I'm not super keen on that and definitely watching it for updates. And my bud is that today after work uh, for about an hour, I got to look through um, the MIT sort of like research catalog of folks doing really cool work. My grad program in the fall is structured on a research assistantship. And it means I get to hopefully connect with a really cool professor doing cool work. And it was awesome to like scroll through all the people I might be working and learning from later this fall. So I'm really pumped about that. And that was a really nice bud moment today. Um, handing the mic over to you, Barley. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Um, alrighty. So my rose um, with a 72 hour window. Let's see. Yeah, on Sunday, my partner and I actually went on a crazy um, 13 to 14 mile walk slash hike. Oh, wow. Um, just from literally from our apartment door to like um, traversing a couple of neighborhoods and then going to a park and then doing a loop in this like regional park and then, and then um, coming all the way back. And so, um, yeah, we don't have a car. And so that was kind of our way of getting guaranteed social distancing and um able to get outside and get like a long walk in and it was really nice because it was the first time in probably like three months that I've been able to do um like a long extended day of physical activity and have it be outside and also um kind of like feel feel like exhausted at the end of the day which is yeah. a um which is a very nice way to Wonderful. like get a great night's sleep so um and then my thorn has been um i've been applying to jobs i've been job searching and all this which is definitely um you know never a process that 
anyone enjoys, I think. Um, and uh, I think to be in the state where there's so much uncertainty on both sides, um, like both on, on me as an applicant and also um, on just because I think I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do and also on all the companies hiring because of the economy. Um, I think there is just like, uh, yeah, a lot of um, kind of unknowns and um, I'm also kind of entering into this new space of civic tech slash government. Um, So I think that's definitely made it hard to uh, feel like I'm in control and have agency in this process. Um, And then um, my bud is that, uh, oh man, I just had it and then I think I lost it. Oh, yes, is that uh, my partner and I have been, have started watching uh, <laughs> this show, Friday Night Lights. Oh, Michael B. Jordan when he first got big. One of his earlier roles, rather. Oh, is he in it later? He's yeah. probably in it later. Um, QBs, we started way at the beginning. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was a show that was big in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I am relearning football episode by episode. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, I think, as this kind of like soapy, a uh, bit old school. So it's not as like intense we had just come off of watching the first season of Watchmen which is a little too intense to watch before bed (laughs) um and yeah I'm looking forward to it as like a nightly ritual and now it's time for a word from our sponsors which we will create one word at a time between myself beans rice and barley um thank you apple sauce united for making tasty muffins and applesauce. Woo! Yay! Thank you, Applesauce United. <laughs> um, so I think that's our show for that's today. That's our show. Thank you, JN slash Barley, for taking the time. It was a real pleasure talking to you today. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for showing up, Barley. Appreciate yeah. you. All right, to all our listeners out there, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 We got a flavor that's supreme. Beans and rice, beans and rice. Once or twice, or even thrice.